Welcome back to the Blackout. As always, we come to you from BellyUpSports.com, and returning for week six and another ATS Pick'em Pod is Alan Denton. He is back, and I am Thomas Black. Alan, welcome back in. How are you feeling after a week off and getting reinserted into the podcast, into the content, as we try to deliver the goods on another ATS Pick'em Pod? Man, I'm glad to be back, and I sure hope to God that my picks are better this week than they were last week. <laughs> oh, man, they were cheeks last week, bro. <laughs> it is okay. Everybody has some cheeks every once in a while, but let's talk about some people real quick who have not been having the cheeks up at the top of the leaderboard. That is because we have record-wise a three-way tie at the top of the ATS Pick'em leaderboard, and because of tiebreakers, this is how we fall. Team captain Regina is at the top of the leaderboard with 31 wins on the season. She leads the pack for $175. Another team captain, Bruce, is in second place based on tiebreakers. He leads the pack for $75. Antonio, who has been the leader for a long time, also has 31 wins, but because of tiebreakers, falls into third place right now, leading the pack for $25. Alan, the picks have been ultra impressive. These guys hitting over 60% on the season through five weeks. I think that's a fairly substantial sample size at this point. And I feel like Mm -hmm. surely that's going to drop because we certainly had a lot lower percentages winning this contest last season, but it has been remarkable to see how these three have started so far through five weeks. Yeah, I was about to say a little over the third of the way through and they have been unbelievable. That's something that you just tip your cap to them and They've been so remarkable up to this point. Like you said, nobody was getting close to 60% at a consistent level last year. So this is a new trend that we're seeing develop, and it is really cool to see. It is interesting to know whether people have just gotten used to the format and are picking better, or whether we've had a lot of winnable games that have been in our pick'em slate. I kind of feel like I felt really good almost every single week of this season. So I kind of feel like it might be a mixture of both, but I did do a little bit of research this morning. I was fascinated to see where we were last year at this time because I knew for a fact that we were sitting in a much better spot with our leaders this year than we were a year ago. And through five weeks a year ago, I believe we had a three-way tie as well. But Alan, we had 27 wins as the leaders a year ago. So we're plus four in that category right now. A dramatic change, almost a win per week difference so far this year in 2023 versus 2022. That's a huge differential. Even for you, I mean, that's the difference between being ahead by three and being in fourth place with being only one back. So we'll see how it turns out because When we kind of look ahead at this week, I think it's a very tricky week. Very much so. Now let's look back at the week in the past. Alan, in week five, you did go three and seven. You already referenced it as cheeks. I believe your worst week of the season, you dropped from 19th to 23rd in the standings. You're now 23 and 26 overall against the spread. I know you're not feeling great, but how are you looking to rebound? What do you think of what went down in the pick'em slate a week ago? Well, a couple of losses were kind of inexplicable and very, very frustrating. Most importantly, that Memphis game, that was a lock that I had. Essentially, after halftime, once they settled into that game, Memphis was very clearly the better team. 
were up 10 late two different times and Boise State scores and then basically Memphis runs out the garbage time after getting the onside kick. It was fairly inconsequential, but I actually mentioned in my written portion of it that I didn't love that the spread was three and a half. And this is the reason because when it's minus three and a half instead of minus two and a half, then these backdoor covers really come into play. And that is exactly what happened. So that one was very frustrating. And honestly, I thought for the most part, LSU was the better team. And I had LSU at minus two and a half. I thought they were very much the better team. A couple of just bad picks. You know, South Alabama was not up to James Madison's level. And I didn't follow your lead with Clemson covering. And then my one last thing that I'll say is A&M just hammered Arkansas. And the stats on that one just jump off the page. Arkansas is a soft football team this year. And I didn't think we would say that under Sam Pittman. Yeah, it was certainly a uh, dominant performance by Texas A&M. Even if people are kind of scoreboard watching, that game results-wise, score-wise, looked a lot closer than that game did if you watch the game on the screen. Because Texas A&M absolutely dominated that game throughout. And even the first drive of the game, I told my wife Kristen when she came in midway through that game, I said, if you're watching this game already, even off of one drive, it looks like Texas A&M should own this game. Because early, Arkansas got a field goal, but on that first drive, they converted something like a third and 10 and a third and 15 or 16 and a third and seven, all to get down the field and just barely scrape away with a field goal. And I thought, man, normal circumstances, most teams wouldn't have even come away with points there on the first drive with how Texas A&M got them behind the chains again and again and again. They were in the backfield an awful lot all day long. Uh, Arkansas's offensive line is one of the worst in the SEC, and there are actually some really bad offensive lines in the SEC this year. Looking at you, South Carolina, and <laughs> so yeah, that was very frustrating to see with KJ Jefferson coming in with such high expectations. This was a game that they really needed. I think their year is going south very, very quickly. It certainly looks like it is. Now, on my side, I had another solid week against the spread. I went 6-4 and four in the ATS picks over the weekend. I moved from 7th place up to 6th, a small climb, but the big deal for me is I am now 30-20 and 20 overall against the spread, hitting at 60% on the season, and that makes me just one game off of our leaders right now. So, I'm feeling great about where I'm at. I'm right there in contention at the top of this leaderboard through a third of the season, as you said, Alan, and my locks a week ago went really, really well, though one of them was extremely close. I picked up a lock party win with Zane Chapelier, who was on the show a week ago. We won with Notre Dame minus five and a half points at Duke, but that one was oh so close to falling apart with Notre Dame leading by 10 for a lot of that game. And then Sam Hartman having to pick up a fourth and 16 with his legs of all things for Notre Dame to survive, get the touchdown late. They could have ended up just kicking a field goal, but they got the touchdown and the two-point conversion to get me the cover. That one was significant. And then, like you alluded to, I had Clemson minus six and a half points at Syracuse. I talked about culture. I talked about Dabo getting his guys up and ready. I thought they were more talented than Syracuse, and that came out to uh, fruition pretty easily. It got a little dicey kind of late in the second half at one point, but Clemson ultimately was far and away the better team in that matchup and got me the cover 
minus the six and a half points. So I got two wins on my locks. And then on the confidence pick and pod, I had some good results as well. As I said, I was giving a little loss insurance, talking about moving TCU down in confidence from where the spread indicated they should be at a 10. I moved them down to an eight. That should have indicated to everybody out there, if you're listening to that, that I was on the side of West Virginia plus 11 and a half points. That ended up being a winner. And even though I agreed with Zane on last week's Pick'em Pod that Florida should have been taken in the ATS Pick'em plus three and a half points, one of my confidence value picks was to take Kentucky as a winner. So even though I didn't get the ATS side of that one right, I feel like I was in a good spot rationally with that game, and I still ended up on the right side with the winner. So ultimately, any way I look at it, I came away very, very pleased with my Pick'em slate, and we'll get to more of that as we get over into the confidence Pick'em Pod next. So Alan, before we go any further, let me go ahead and give you an update on where Zane stands in his picks as well. He went five and five a week ago. He dropped to 16th place from 15th. He is 26 and 24 against the spread on the season. So again, last year, five weeks in, 27 wins was in first place. And Zane's sitting here with 26. He's doing pretty solid, but he's back in the teens in the standings just because of how tremendous everybody has been at the top of the leaderboard. He was the other half of the lock party win with Notre Dame minus five and a half points at Duke. He also took Florida plus three and a half points at Kentucky. Clearly not the right pick there, but Zane going one and one in his locks. We had an overall pretty good week because I would say with you, Alan, like you alluded to, I think Memphis minus the three and a half points was the right side on yours as well. So overall analysis of how our picks went, even though we took some L's, I think we had some pretty solid plays on the pick'em slate as we went through Saturday. Yeah, very much so. And all we can do is snap and clear and move forward. All right, Alan, if you're ready for it, let's dive into some locks for week six. Let's do it. All right, I'll start us off because I did go six and four versus Alan's three and seven week a week ago. So, Alan, I am going to start off with one of the biggest spreads we see on the board this week because we've got a lot of those games at minus six and a half points. So let's look at the Red River rivalry, where we've got the Oklahoma Sooners as an underdog against the Texas Longhorns in this neutral site matchup, where the Texas Longhorns come in 5-0, and oh, as does Oklahoma. Oklahoma has had some notoriety with some of their early season results. They've got blowout wins against Arkansas State, 73-0. At Tulsa, 66-17. Against Iowa State, 50-20. But it's the other games that I'm looking at that I put more significance in. When they played SMU, they won in a kind of close game, 28-11. to But they were actually outgained in that game by two yards by the Mustangs. They only led 14-3 to going into the fourth quarter. And Oklahoma benefited from having two short field touchdowns in this game. They also won the turnover battle 2 to nothing, And they got more fourth down stops than SMU did, winning that battle 2-1. to So... Really, I think this game was ultra competitive, and I think SMU challenged Oklahoma in a way that I didn't really expect it to. You flip on over to the game at Cincinnati, where Oklahoma won 20-6, and they only outgained Cincinnati by about 50 yards. Again, they won the turnover battle 2-1. Cincinnati missed a field goal, and Cincinnati also went 1-4 for four on fourth downs in a game that was 10-6 midway through the third quarter. And when you look at the offense that Oklahoma has had, Dylan Gabriel's been awesome. He's thrown for about 1,600 yards, 
15 touchdowns, two interceptions. We talked about this team in our pick'em profile series in the offseason. We talked about Michigan transfer wide receiver Andrew Anthony, who has really stepped up. He has nearly 400 receiving yards on the season. Jaleel Farouk has been back nearly 300 yards on the season. So they've got a couple of go-to guys. But the way I look at this offense is they don't have a running game right now. It has not been good. It's not been the standard that Oklahoma has had in recent years. And even though Anthony and Farouk have done a good job, I don't think they have a true number one threat. You look at the defensive side and Brent Venable's team has, I think, improved defensively, but I really don't think they've gone up against a good offensive unit yet. So when you flip it over to Texas, I think Steve Sarkeesian, just like he did against Alabama, is going to have a really good game plan drawn up. I think Texas has been really, really impressive in its five wins, apart from a game against Wyoming that was kind of sketchy for a little while, but Wyoming tends to do that against teams. Quinn Ewers has been awesome, completing 66% of his passes for over 1,300 yards, 10 touchdowns, and only one interception. Jonathan Brooks has been good at running back, running for nearly 600 yards at nearly seven yards an attempt. The receiver core I've talked about before is good. Xavier Worthy, A.D. Mitchell, Jordan Whittington are all good. Tight end J.T. Sanders has been a beast this year, but he's day-to-day with an ankle, so we don't know if he's going to play this weekend. I think he'd be a big boost. I think the defense is good. One of the only question marks I have about this team is that their kicker, Burt Auburn, is 9-14 of on the season, but most of his misses have been of long range, so that's about the only downside I see. I still like Texas in this matchup. And when we talked about Oklahoma in the pick and profile series, I told you I thought there was a legit chance this team could go 11 and 1. And I think maybe they have surprised some people with how good they've been this year. But I think that they've been a little underwhelming when you look at some of the closeness of those games against SMU and Cincinnati. Alan, I love Texas in this game. Like I said in the preseason, this was the one game I identified as a loss for Oklahoma. I'm going to stick with it. I'm taking the Longhorns minus six and a half points. I feel like I'm going to be on the same side there just because of how efficient and effective this Longhorn team has been. I agree with you that there's still some question marks with Oklahoma that I'm just not so sure about them. This Texas Longhorn team obviously has been very much tested. And we talked about that Wyoming team. That's a team we see on this week's slate and they've been downright tough. I mean, they beat Texas tech in their opening game in kind of a shocking fashion. So that's not necessarily just a rollover type of game. So I do feel like this Texas team has been proven. And as long as they come out and they're ready to roll and aren't feeling themselves, I think there's a lot to like about the Longhorns this week. Yeah, and you saying as long as they come out ready to play. I mean, there's motivation with this matchup, right? It's every yeah. single year. These two teams hate each other. They want to get the upper side of this rivalry. And, you know, with two coaches early in their tenure, they want this game bad. And I think that Steve Sarkeesian is much more well-prepared with a more seasoned offense and more weapons, I think, than what Oklahoma presents. So I like this one a lot. I think there's a great chance Texas could cover this game pretty easily. I think they could win by multiple scores, and I kind of expect them to. We'll see. Maybe Oklahoma's offense is a little bit better than I'm saying. Maybe their defense is pretty proven, but I don't think they've played the offenses that Texas is going to present to them. So I think there's a chance this game could be pretty well in control in the second half by Texas. Maybe Oklahoma sticks around for a half or something, but I like them minus the six and a half points an awful lot. 
yeah, because it's at six and a half, I'm most likely going to be on that. That's a really nice number. I know. I like the fact that we see a lot of these numbers under seven points this week. In fact, all of them are. It tends to make things, I think, a little bit easier in picking. But man, it is hard to identify when you've got so many at the same number. Which ones do you trust the most in covering that spread? That is tough to identify this week with a lot of options that are very, very similar. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Alan, where are you going for your first ATS lock of week six? All right, man. So I'm following up on your lock from last week, yours and Zane's lock, and going to Notre Dame. And this time they're traveling to Louisville in a second straight road game in another top 25 matchup, another night game. Notre Dame is going to an undefeated Louisville team. Brom has done an incredible job in year one for Louisville. Their offense has been really good. Jack Plummer has done a bang-up job for a team that I didn't necessarily think would be as overwhelmingly good as they have been. Now, they've quite frankly played a pretty easy schedule up to this point, right? Georgia Tech is terrible. Murray State is a level below, so you just don't count them. Indiana, trash. Boston College, maybe the single worst team in all of Power 5 football. And then at NC State, who is now replacing their quarterback, Brennan Armstrong, because he's just laying a bunch of turds as well. And so you've got a strong team in Notre Dame who has now been proven and tested two times in the past two weeks that is effective at throwing the ball and is very dynamic running the ball. And you've got a six and a half point spread. And you know what? I'm locking that up. Sam Hartman is effective. He's got 14 touchdowns to no interceptions. Audric Estime is an absolute load. He's almost got 700 yards already in six games. I in no way think that Louisville is ready to be able to handle the sheer physicality of what Notre Dame's going to bring. And Notre Dame's defense is in every turn better, allowing a full 50-plus yards per game less. It just feels like that this Notre Dame setup is really nice, even though it's another tough road game. I'm locking up the Fighting Irish. Going with the Fighting Irish after Zane and I hit on a lock party, maybe got a little lucky last week against the Duke Blue Devils. A couple weeks before that, you and I had Syracuse minus two and a half points in a lock party. That was a winner. You and I had North Carolina minus seven and a half points a week after that. That was a lock party winner. So we've now had three consecutive weeks with lock party winners, and you're following up with Notre Dame. So, Alan, let's try and make it four weeks in a row. What'd you say, Alan? Let's freaking party, baby. (laughs) I love it. Oh, man. We've got signifiers on the show now for different types of picks. That is the way we introduce some lock parties as we go forward. It is fun to add new things to the show, and uh, you can hear that tune here on what is now seemingly a weekly basis. Four weeks in a row with a lock party, and we've gone 3-0 and on the show in those picks. So it's been a really tremendous start to the season, Alan, and I will echo an awful lot of the same things you did. This Louisville team, I still have some questions about. They're kind of explosive offensively. That's fun. That's fine. But when you look at that Georgia Tech game early, that was an absolute shootout with the Yellow Jackets. They gave up a bunch of yards to them. And since then, they've had some blowout wins, and then even a close one against... 
Indiana and the close one against NC State. And that game against Indiana, they came out booming. They went up 21-0 in the first half, but then they had to have a goal line stand in the fourth quarter to hang on 21-14 against the Hoosiers. Against NC State, they were held to barely 300 yards of offense. They had a non-existent running game, and I think Notre Dame has the defense to do something possibly similar. And I think this offense for Louisville has basically been a two-man attack. Jawar Jordan at running back has been really good. He's run for over 500 yards at 7.7 yards a carry. He has six touchdowns. And wide receiver Jamari Thrash has been really good, 22 receptions for nearly 450 yards, averaging over 20 yards a reception and five touchdowns. But when you boil it down to quarterback Jack Plummer, a guy who's thrown for 1,400 yards, that looks kind of good, but it's on 11 touchdowns and six interceptions. So he doesn't even to this point have a two-to-one touchdown-to-turnover ratio. And I'll echo everything you said with Notre Dame. Sam Hartman's been tremendous. He's thrown for 1,400 yards. Aldrich Estime's been great. In addition to that, Sam Hartman gets a couple of wide receivers back this week, or at least that are expected to be back, with Jaden Greathouse and Jaden Thomas. They didn't play in the Duke game. And when you look at a Duke team that nearly knocked off Notre Dame a week ago and still didn't cover the spread, I think Duke is definitely better than Louisville. So a Notre Dame team that has been tremendously more tested than Louisville has. You mentioned the defensive statistics. Think about the competition these teams have faced. Already, you're talking about the defensive stats that look better for Notre Dame, but they have been tested against Duke and Ohio State all day, man. Give me Notre Dame minus the six and a half points with a team that I think is balanced offensively and should be able to at least limit Louisville offensively when they have only a couple of guys who've been really good this season. Exactly. When it comes to these types of games where it feels that there's not only a talent gap, but a good defensive team can key on a couple of guys. I feel like that's a big deal. This is one of those matchups I feel very good about. I love it, Alan. I don't think any more needs to be said because I think we've hit on a lot of the key areas. So where are you going for your second ATS lock of week six? So this one kind of feels probably a little bit out of left field, but it's because I like the number and I like where they're at. I'm going with the Hawkeyes covering at home versus Purdue. I've picked against this Purdue team a couple of times already this year, and that's because they're not a very good football team. They did win last week, so you tip their cap, and they did go on the road and beat a really bad Virginia Tech team. But otherwise, this team has taken some big L's, including at the very beginning of the year with Fresno State. I hate the fact that Cade McNamara got hurt and tore his ACL this past week. That's just a terrible situation. It's not like I'm picking Iowa because they're dynamic. They are, <laughs> they are anything but dynamic. They are about as dynamic as my refrigerator moving. It's like, it's, 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 it's awful, but they find a way to beat Michigan state 26, 16. And I don't care how they do it. They're going to win this game, and they only got to win it by three, right? They're not going to blow Purdue out, but Hudson Card has, in fact, been kind of turnover prone, not just at this place, but even at Texas, and he's already got three interceptions on the year, and you best guess what's going to happen this week. At Iowa, that defense is going to be ready to roll. They're giving up 
about 80 yards less per game than Purdue. Now, they also, on total yardage offensively, they actually produce 150 yards less, but I don't even think it's going to matter. They're going to run the football. They're going to throw it to some of their big white guys, and they're not going to turn it over. And at that point, they're going to get a pick six or Cooper DeJean's going to return a touchdown. There's something along those lines. And they're going to win this thing like 13 to 10. And you know what? That's still a cover. And that's why I'm locking it up. <laughs> I can see exactly what you're saying. And I kind of wanted to pick Iowa as I got into this week. And because I've given out two locks, this is not a lock block. But I feel pretty dang confident I'm going to be on the other side. And it's just because this offense for Iowa has been so putrid. You talked about a lot of it. I mean, you lose Cade McNamara, and a dude named Deacon Hill is taking over at quarterback, who I heard this week was like the third-string quarterback at Wisconsin before this year transferring in. And I don't think that's a good omen for a guy who was a third-string quarterback at Wisconsin in the past. And he's completing a poor percentage of his passes, at least through one appearance so far. He's not played an awful lot. I don't know, man. Iowa certainly does have the recipe to win this game. And like you said, it's like a defensive touchdown and a big punt return, and it's a blocked punt, and it's all of those things. And if those things happen, Iowa probably wins on their home field. But if we have a normal type of football game where you just kind of protect the ball, which honestly, if I'm Purdue's coaching staff, I am talking all day to Hudson Card about just protect the football. And if you've got to throw it away, throw it away. And if you've got to check it down and punt, just punt. Because I don't think Iowa can do anything offensively to harm anything against a defense that hasn't even been all that impressive with Purdue. So I'm with you. Iowa can find a lot of ways to win this game. But all I'm looking for with Purdue is protect the football manage to get a little bit of offense going against an Iowa defense that sure they have a great reputation, but I don't think they've been as good this year. And I look back at even their win against Michigan state a week ago. And I think it's a fraudulent win from Iowa. They had the punt return for a touchdown. Michigan state turned the ball over four times. They also outgained Iowa by about 120 yards. I mean, I think everything in this game pointed to Michigan state winning yet. It was Iowa coming away on top and that might very well happen this coming week, but I think because that's what they do. It is what what they do. do. (laughs) It is what they do. And I agree with that, but I feel better this time about being on Purdue plus the point simply because we're talking about an Iowa offense that has been so bad. I was on Iowa earlier this year against Iowa State talking about how this offense was improved, and it has been anything but. It's been terrible. And there's a chance they get their running back back this week, which could be a good thing, but I just cannot feel like I can get over to the other side on this one. So I feel pretty firm that I'm going to be on Purdue plus the points this week. One of the few times that we've had a lot of disagreement on this show, but man, good luck to you. And if the game's fluky, you're probably 100% on the right side. Yep. And that's just what they managed to do. That's the Kirk Ferentz special. He just lives in this fantasy land where every game is a fluke and they just win eight to nine games every year in ridiculous, crazy fashion. No doubt about it. It keeps on happening. They've won four games this year for a reason that way. And what was that game against Penn State? Did they have less than 100 yards of offense? Oh, yeah. Because that's the other end of this. But Purdue doesn't have near as good a defense as what Penn State fields. So, yeah, less than 100 yards of offense, 56 passing, 20 rushing. 
uh, quite the performance from Iowa. So I don't know. I can't bank on Iowa winning this game, but more power to you, Alan. And I hope it comes out in your favor for the picks on the show, but I hope it comes out in my favor for the picks overall and chasing down everybody at the top of that leaderboard. So we'll see. <laughs> Good luck to you as we go through Saturday. Oh, that sounds great, dude. <laughs> All right, Alan. Another lock party in the books. That's the fourth week in a row here on the show. And again, something we have to document is Alan and I, after winning a couple of lock parties in recent weeks, you and I now have won seven of our last eight lock parties. We are now seven and five overall, dating back to last season when we started the ATS Pick'em. So we have rebounded in a great way from our slow start. And if another one comes out in our favor with Notre Dame minus the six and a half points, then we are really going to be on something of a hot streak that is now stretching up kind of close to double digit games. And we'll see what happens this weekend, Alan. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man. All right. Well, it is time to jump on over to record a confidence pick and pod where Alan and I have to fight against the spread to find some value. It's what we do each and every week. And right now we are looking to climb the leaderboards. I had a fantastic week, not only in the ATS pick but over on the confidence side. Alan's week was not near as good, but both of us are still looking to find that value and move on up the leaderboard. So, Alan, I hope you're ready for it. Looking forward to seeing what is done on the confidence side and looking forward to talking more college football with you, sir. Yeah, me too, man. I took some chances in the past couple of weeks and not a single dang one has paid off. And that's why you've seen me drop. (laughs) (laughs) Not a single freaking one has hit. And that is just the kick right in the, you know, right in the goods. (laughs) Well, Alan, it was a tough week for a lot of people a week ago. You happened to find the negative end of it. I happened to find the good end of it. And there were not a lot of good scores up on the top of the leaderboard. So if you found yourself in the upper 30s or in the 40s, which we had very few scores of, you had a really solid week. And that's all you can ask for sometimes when the pick and board goes the way it did. So this coming week should be interesting. And it'll be interesting to see who figures out how to navigate those upsets the right way and have their values placed in the right order. Yeah, absolutely, man. If you would like to join us over on the Confidence Pick'em Pod that comes via Patreon, you can join the team by jumping over to our Patreon account and subscribing to the show there for only $2.50 a month. That's right. You not only get to listen to the conversation that we're about to have, but for the next several weeks, you'll be included on all of that stuff, even if you find that you don't like it. And the money that you put into the show will then be poured into bigger prizes next year where we have team members growing. We've got this thing developing and I think we're headed a really good direction. Alan, it's been good to have you back for another ATS Pick'em Pod after you were gone last week. Thankful to have you, sir. And looking forward to recording a Confidence Pick'em Pod coming up next. Glad to be back, man. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here.